O'Brien College. Good morning. Before I get started, I want to say thank you to Dr. Jones for allowing me to have the opportunity to come and speak. As I stand on this platform and think of the men and even women that have stood here and spoken before me, it's, it's pretty incredible that I have the opportunity to even stand up here and speak. I think of guys like Tony Evans, Eugene Cho, and even who kicked us off this year, a guy named Brandon Short, who I played baseball with. These guys are incredible. And the fact that I have this opportunity, I'm, I'm very grateful for. So Dr. Jones, Bryan College, thank you very much for that. So the topic of conversation today is sports and Christianity. So some, some of you may be turned off immediately when I say sports uh, in the realm of Christianity. But listen, don't tune me out. You are still included. So whether you're a performance arts major or you're a writer or whatever it may be, when I use the terms sports and athlete, insert yourself in that role. So if you're a writer, when I say sports or athlete, insert writer because this can still apply to you as well. Um, But with the topic being sports and Christianity, I want to focus in on this main idea. The main idea that I have today is what does it look like to be a Christian, a Christian athlete? And again, what does that look like? What does it look like to be a Christian athlete? And with that, I believe it begins with understanding your purpose as an athlete. If you will, let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for this moment that you've given me to spend with the students of Bryan College. I thank you that you've placed me here uh, for a purpose and for a reason, Um, whatever that may be. I pray that you are ultimately glorified above all, and I pray that your name is lifted high. And I pray that if there's anyone in here this morning who uh, may not know you, I pray they would come to know you. And I pray hearts would be pierced this morning, and I pray that you, above all, uh, would receive all the glory. So again, thank you for this school. Thank you for these students. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, You deserve all the glory in Christ's name. Amen. So let's date back to the year 2011, 2012, and somewhat into 2013. I was a freshman here at Bryan College, and a freshman on the baseball team is a pretty big deal. I was on the varsity squad, and so that was exciting. Game one comes up. We're, we're opening up. It's sometime in February, so it's really cold. And Coach Hasey, who was the head coach at the time, says, LJ, you're starting on the mound for us game one. What? So as a freshman, it's a pretty, pretty big deal. You're starting game one as a freshman on the mound. And so I get the opportunity I do well, and we went. We end up winning the game. And then the next weekend, Hasty gives me the ball again to start game or game one of the conference series. So for every Friday night, I had the opportunity to start on the mound for the Lions. And so all the way up until the halfway point to the Tennessee Wesleyan game, I started the Wesleyan game and got hurt, uh, injured, injured my surgery, or injured my elbow, which resulted in a seizing injury, ending injury. And in the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, I had to get elbow surgery. It's called Tommy John surgery, so it's a pretty lengthy recovery, uh, which fortunately I came back stronger. Um, but I remember looking at my mom and my dad, who were my biggest supporters, my biggest fans, never missed a home and away game at all in high school. And my freshman year home and away game, they never missed a game. Even those that I were not playing after getting injured, they were still there. So that was pretty exciting. I remember looking at my dad and saying, Dad, after surgery, after I go through the recovery process, after I go through everything, I want you to be the very first person that I throw a baseball with again after surgery. And I said that because of who he is in my life and, or who he was in my life and the man that he was and how he raised me, helped, taught me how to love a, a wife and to love children one day and taught me how to fun and enjoy the game of baseball. My dad's my mentor, my role model. I looked up to my dad more than anyone on earth, and I, I love that, that I had that in a father. And so I remember telling him, Dad, I want you to be the first person I throw a baseball with. Have my surgery, come back to my sophomore year, and fall break hits. The very first morning of fall break, I wake up, my, ba- my room's in the basement, I wake up to feet above me, running all around my house, and I'm like, that's not normal, what's going on? And so, 
my sister's sprinting down the steps and she says, LJ, 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 you need to get up. Dad has had a wreck. And I instantly thought, he's on his motorcycle. So this isn't good. So I get up, I get in my truck, and I had a buddy with me, and we floor I mean, I'm going as fast as I can to the wreck scene. It's about three miles from the house. And I remember picturing in my mind, this is the picture I remember, I mean, I remember like it happened yesterday. I remember this picture. I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to show up to the wreck scene, and what I'm going to see is this, a police car, maybe a fire truck because they have to respond, and maybe an ambulance because they have to respond. But my dad's going to be just fine. He's going to be standing on the side of the road, holding his leg with some road rash, and he's going to look at me and say this, son, we're selling the motorcycles. For one, that hurt really bad, and for two, I don't want you to have a wreck. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, when I showed up and reality was there, it was far from what I could have imagined. I show up and there's a fire truck blocking off the road. Beyond the fire truck, there's an ambulance blocking off the road. So I get out of my truck, to my truck and I'm sprinting to the wreck scene. And a fireman says, you've got to move over. Life force is about to land. So when I, when I heard that, I knew it was serious. Those of you who are from, not from here, life force is a helicopter responding unit. And so when you hear life force in any type of scenario, scenario, you know that death is at risk. And so I immediately, I keep, I keep running, I keep running. When I see my dad in the distance, I stop. I can't go any further for some odd reason. I can't go any further. There's people surrounding my dad. I want to go down there and be with him. But for some reason, I couldn't go down and be with him. And so I remember when they picked him up on the stretcher, the helicopter had just landed in the, in the road. I remember when they picked him up on the stretcher, I started screaming, Dad, Dad, hoping for a response. For example, when a football player gets injured, injured, the crowd will cheer and he'll give a thumbs up or something when he's on the stretcher. I was hoping for something like that from my dad and I had no response. And I remember as he got closer, I could see blood coming out of his ears and I was like, this isn't good. This isn't good at all. So we get to the hospital and they tell us that we have him in a stable condition, but his brain began to swell in a rapid pace that put him in a state that doctors would call a vegetable. Uh, so he, he no longer talked or did anything again, but he stayed in that state for about a year and a half, and then he passed in May of 2013. And I say that to say this, coming off of an injury, losing my dad, and I profess faith as an athlete, I'm left with a decision to make. One, I play baseball on a team full of guys who know that I, that I honor Christ, that I live for Christ, that I give my life for Christ. And for two, we have teams that come to our, that come to our field, our campus, every week, who also know my story, who also know that I, that I claim Christ, that they know that I stand firm in my faith, they know that I'm a follower of Christ, and they know that the adversity that I've come and I've had to go through, not only that, but umpires, umpires as well, they know who I am. Um, conference tournament one year, it was 2014, I think, it was my dad passed away on May 9th, and there was a three-man umpire crew, two out of the three, their dad also had passed away on May 9th. That was a really cool experience, but the fact that they... They know the adversity they had to go through. They know that I claimed Christ. I was left with a decision. How do I handle this if I'm only focused on myself and not my purpose? And so that's what I want to dive into today. What is purpose? So, as a Christian athlete, what is your purpose? I found this definition on a very scholarly website called dictionary.com. So, <laughs> um, and so this is what it says. It says this, The reason for which something exists or is done, made or used... So as an athlete, or a writer, or a musician, whatever that may be, as a Christian, you have been given talents, you've been given the gifts, and you've been given the abilities for a purpose. And that purpose, you're called to use that purpose for His glory and His glory alone. We stand on a field, we stand on a court, whatever it may be, and you, and you claim Christ, you're there not to just compete, but you're there for the main purpose of honoring Christ and all that He's given to you. 
Our goal as Christians is not to win and is not to lose. Let me say that again, athletes in the room. Your goal is not to win and it is not to lose. Yes, we want to win. We want to go out there. Us as a baseball team, we're the 15th ranked team in the country coming to the season this year. That's a big deal. We don't set out to lose. We set out to compete and we set out to win. But our goal as a staff and as players, for those who follow Christ, is to ultimately glorify Him and give Him the glory. Because without Him, we have no purpose. And without Him, we don't have what we have. If you do have your copy of God's Word or a phone, RA's no points allowed. So if you have your phone, pull out... 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Once you get there, we'll, uh, we'll dive into it. So if you get there, say a word. Nobody. Cool. Awesome. Here's what 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Let me read that one more time. It says this. So whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. If you're someone that highlights or underlines, underline or highlight these words. Whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. I think it mentions eating and drinking for the simple fact that that's something small that we, do, we have every day. Thankfully, the country that we live in, we have that. There are some who don't have that daily. But the fact that it's mentioning eating and drinking, we do that often. We're called to give glory to God in that moment. When you're eating something or drinking something, we're called to give God glory in that moment. So as an athlete or even a musician or a writer, you've, given, you've been given that talent for a purpose and a reason. And it's to give, ultimately to give Him glory. I have a quote here from the Denver Broncos quarterback. His name is Case Keenum. And it says this, God calls us to use our ability to our greatest potential for His glory. And that includes whenever we step on the field. It's not to beat the guy next to you. It's to recognize it as an opportunity for God to reveal his glory. I really like that. It's not to beat the guy next to you. It's to recognize it as an opportunity for God to reveal his glory. As athletes, we realize and recognize that we play a sport or sports are filled with plenty of unbelievers, right? And sometimes, as a believer, you may run into an opponent or even a teammate who may have never heard the name of Christ until he run into you. So in that moment, you have a purpose. And that purpose is to give God the glory, to show that man the love of Christ. And so what it's saying right here is this. We have an opportunity for God to reveal his glory. You're there for that purpose, to God, for God to use you for him to reveal his glory to that maybe, who, maybe opponent or teammate. So speaking of professional athletes, let me be transparent with you real quick if you don't mind. Something that I struggle with is elevating people to a place they don't belong. For example, Tim Tebow. Huge Tim Tebow fan. But I often look at Tim Tebow and say, I want what he has. I want to do what he does. I want to experience what he's experienced. I want to go where he's gone. I want to do the things that Tim Tebow has accomplished or do the things that he's currently doing. I want to experience that life. But the problem that I run into or we all run into with that is this. When we we overlook or when we give someone a place or we put them on a pedestal they don't belong, we we often overlook the place that God has us in in the moment. You're in a place in the moment you are right now for a reason and for a purpose. We're in this place to represent Christ in every area of our life. As athletes, that means representing Him not just on the field, but also off the field. Trust me, you are watched as athletes off the field. And if you claim Christ, you have one responsibility, and that's to honor Him with all you do. He is the one who deserves all the glory. As an athlete, the moment that you claim Christ, 
All the cameras zoom in on you. Going back to Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow, Heisman Trophy winner, national championship winner in college football. Oftentimes when that happens, after they go on a few years, they're not really talked about much after that. A Heisman Trophy winner or national championship winner. He just go, goes on to the next team. Next team, no, no one really talks about him anymore. He goes on to play NFL football, gets released. Get, when someone usually gets released, you never hear about him much anymore. Tim Tebow, actually, he's currently playing minor league baseball, which is it's a big deal. But minor league baseball is not talked about much. He's an SEC football anchor. Not really talked about a whole lot. But the fact that we know Tim Tebow so well and know, and he's always fresh in our memory as athletes is because of one reason. The cameras are always zoomed in on him. Why? Because he's a Heisman Trophy winner, a national championship winner, a minor league baseball player, an SEC anchor, and we know so much about him because he claims Christ. If he, if he did not claim Christ, he would be irrelevant almost. We would not have, Tebow wouldn't be on the pedestal who he is, but because, of who he, because, of, because he is who he is in Christ, the cameras zoom in on him. And the earth puts him on a pedestal, or the world puts him on a pedestal because they want to see him, to make, they want to see him as a Christian make a, make a mistake. And once you claim Christ, trust me, the enemy is after you. As an athlete, you're on a pedestal. The moment you claim Christ, you're on an even higher pedestal. The enemy is after you who claim Christ. But the good thing is this. Even though the enemy may be after you, we're still called to honor and glorify God. And in that moment, God is your strength. He has overcome the sin. He's overcome sin, death, hell, and the grave. He's overcome the enemy in every way. One thing I hear a lot of Christians say is how hard it is to represent Christ while in the middle of something that is not always Christ-driven. I hear that a lot. I hear athletes all the time say, well, it's hard to honor Christ in the middle of a game where we're losing 6-1 to one in a ball game, or I just got struck out, or they just beat us in three sets in volleyball, or whatever it may be. I always hear it's hard to honor Christ in those kind of times in diversity. Well, that brings me to my next point. An interview with professional baseball player Eric Young Jr., who currently plays for the Los Angeles Angels, our assistant baseball coach Cody Reinhart had an interview with him when Cody was in school. And just so happens, like Dr. Jones said, he asked me Friday to do this, and I said yes. And out of nowhere, Coach Reinhart and I were talking, and he, I don't think we were talking about the message about today, but out of nowhere, he brings up, oh, I'll have an interview with Eric Young Jr. He talks about what it's like to be a Christian athlete, and I'm like, what? All right, so here's one of the questions. There's two questions. So question one that uh, Cody asked Eric Young Jr., who plays for the Los Angeles Angels, was this. What are some difficulties of representing Christ on a big stage? And he said this. It's easy to get caught up in status and glamour, even when you know the glory should always go to God. Then he goes on to say, because without him, nothing is possible. That was pretty cool. And the question two he said was, what would you like for people to know about Christ, you, sports, or all three? And he says this, Nothing is possible without the support system that I have around. God has placed these people around me, and I cherish every relationship that I have. Glory be to God. He is an all-deserving. I want to stop there. I want to go back to my time at Bryan. When I lost my dad, I lost him. Obviously, he was at a, early, a young age, and I was at a young age. But I'm often told I was at Bryan College for a reason, and I can't argue that. I believe that I was sitting in these very seats for a purpose, I believe the people around me were sitting in these seats for a purpose. I believe you are sitting in that seat for a purpose. And I believe the people around you are sitting in that seat for a purpose. If it were not for the support that I have from my teammates and my coaches, my professors and the student body here, I would not be standing here today. The people that God placed around me in that moment were placed there for a purpose and for a reason. Maybe you're the one that needs support staff. Or maybe you are the support staff. You're in that moment. You're in that seat for a purpose and a reason. 
whatever it may be, the ultimate purpose is to glorify God. That leaves me with this question. Where are you? Are you that support staff? Or are you the one needing support? One thing you need to recognize and realize is that it's not by accident that you're in the seat that you are. As an athlete, you've been, you signed a scholarship to play baseball or football, or not football, we don't have football, sorry, baseball, uh, volleyball, basketball. You've signed the scholarship for a reason. Look around. Maybe you are someone's help in recognizing Christ. So as an athlete, a musician, a poet, the performance art team, the chambers, whatever it is, you've been given a talent on the inside of you that God has given to you to use for his purpose. For those of you who think much like I do, that I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I don't belong here. I think that a lot, and the coaching staff here on the baseball team can tell you that, I talk to them often about how I feel like I, I don't belong here, I'm not good enough, I don't, I don't deserve the things that I have. For those of you who think that way, I have a quote for you that I heard a couple weeks ago from a pastor in South Florida, he's a pastor at Christ Fellowship, his name's Todd Mullen, he says this, Little is much in the hands of God. He will do much with it. Let me say it again. For those of you who think like me, that you feel like you're little, and you don't have much to offer, little is much in the hands of God. He will do much with it. So whatever your talents are, whatever your gifts are, I encourage you, put them in the hands of God, and he will do much with what you have for his glory. Our purpose as athletes, as musicians, is at the end of the day, ultimately, to bring him glory. Sports and Christianity can go together as long as that athlete is claiming Christ for his glory. Thank you, guys. Love you, guys.